0: Welcome, Welcome to, to the Andy, Andy Griffin, Griffin show, show, the number one talk show in St. George, starring Andy Griffin. That's me. Thanks for tuning in 908 on a Tuesday. Star Wars day if you're into that sort of thing. I I you know, I was talking with Brandon Hansen about this a, a few minutes ago. I like Star Wars. I've seen them all. Enjoyed the movies. They were they were fun escapes, but I wouldn't say I'm a fanatic. I don't own any Star Wars memorabilia. Didn't have Star Wars pajamas when I was a kid. Don't own a... uh Darth Vader helmet or anything like that. I just, I mean, I appreciate it. It was good, uh, fun entertainment, uh, but uh, but I'm not fanatic. And I know that I have friends who are like, you are nuts, dude. But anyway, uh, thanks for tuning into the program today. Got a special guest uh, uh, here in just a second. Uh, do want to mention uh, we have some fun guests this week. Uh, Dr. David Blodgett will be be with me tomorrow uh, on Thursday We'll spend a couple of minutes to start the show with Chris Stewart. And he has uh, offered to take some phone calls, too. So we'll have Congressman Chris Stewart on the air with us for like maybe 10 minutes or so. So it's going to be a short stint by him. Uh, And then uh, Mayor John Brammel from Hurricane will be here. And if memory serves, I think he has a Ph.D., which would make him a doctor as well. So it's doctor week on the Andy Griffin Show. I've got a doctorate in, uh, I don't know, video games or. Barbecue? Oh, I have a doctor in barbecue, I guess, at this point. But Anyway, uh, let's bring uh, Dr. Antoinette Lasky on with us. She is uh, joining us via telephone from Salt Lake City. Dr. Lasky, how are you? Good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for spending a few minutes this morning on the program, uh, Dr. Lasky. I could read I could read your whole bio, and I mean, you went to you graduated from Missouri University of Missouri in Columbia. You did your residency there, uh, but your specialty really is is what what really piqued my interest. Uh, you know, you, your, your residency was in pediatrics and you are a specialist, uh, when it comes to child abuse. And this is such a, a you know, I, I don't know if people know this about me, but I'm kind of an old softie and my heart kind of, kind of gets hurts a little bit when, when people talk about child abuse and you're right there on the front lines and studying this. And uh, I guess, first of all, I would ask, uh, how do you do it? It's, it's gotta be heartbreaking.
1: Well, you know, of course there's sad stories, but the whole reason I went into pediatrics is because I love taking care of children. Um, I often tell people the reason I'm a pediatrician is because adults are yucky, uh, (laughs) which is a pediatric way of saying, you know, I really prefer kids. Um, But, you know, child abuse, of course, is a a sad topic because it's 100 percent preventable. It's something that happens to a child. Um, That doesn't have to, but the reality is, is that people that do the kind of work that I do are doing it because they want to make families stronger and better. And by being there and listening to the, the the bad things that we hear gives us an opportunity to help a child be safer and healthier. And it also helps parents be more effective. I, I think, you know,
0: most of us say child abuse. Oh, that's terrible. That's horrible. That's that's so bad. Even people that are doing it, maybe not realizing it, they're doing it or they're doing it, uh, but they want to fit in with the norm. Say, oh, child child abuse is you know it's a, it's a terrible thing. Um, but are, are there people out there who you know? Is there an excuse? Is there ever an excuse for uh, uh, abusing a child? I mean, you know, I I mean the reasons would be well, I was on drugs or I whatever. But is, is there yeah. ever any reason for this?
1: Well, that's that's a tough question when it's worded that way, because, you know, of course, there's never an excuse to hurt anyone, whether that's another adult or a child. But what I really like to remind people is that when children are hurt by a caregiver, rarely, rarely does that caregiver wake up in the morning and think, I'm going to hurt my kid, you -hmm. know, worse than they can ever imagine or nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I'm going to shake my baby to the point that they're going to have brain damage. That's, you know, that's unfathomable. And of course there are, there are exceptions to that. There are people who just genuinely have problems that they set out to cause harm or pain. But the vast majority of cases that we deal with with physical abuse, it's somebody that lost control and was frustrated Or was, you know, they were having mental health issues or there's substance abuse issues and things stack up. And so it is it's not okay. There is no excuse. But the reality is, is when we categorize people that hurt children as, quote unquote, monsters, we fail to recognize that there but for the grace, any of us could be in a situation that we make a choice that we regret.
0: Wow, yeah, that, that's a good point. Uh, recently, you know, one, one part of my job here, uh, Allie and I go through the news, uh, really, we go through the arrest report. And it seems like, gosh, almost every day we read about some sort of abuse of a child. Uh, quite often it's a step-parent. And I'm wondering, has there been a correlation in your career now that you've seen it to uh, step-parents? Maybe, uh, um, you know, the mom gets a boyfriend. He comes into the house. There's a teenage girl or a 10-year-old or, or whatever uh, is this is this a, a strong trend?
1: So there is research that shows that having an unrelated male in the house can increase the uh, likelihood that a child will die from a fatal injury, wow. and there is sometimes um, an association between having unrelated um, caregivers and and sexual abuse. But the thing that's really important to keep in mind is population based statistics. Um, are just that. They are looking at a large population and trying to see what we can understand in that, you know, in a large group of people. But when you look at individual cases, um, biologic parents sexually abuse their children. Biological, Biological parents can physically abuse their children. You can't say somebody is safe because they don't meet the characteristics of the population Statistics. So, yes, there is an association between having that unrelated uh, caregiver, and we don't know exactly why that is, but uh, the reality is is that even if you're biologically related, you can you can cause harm to your child.
0: Let's talk about some of the numbers with child abuse, Dr. Lasky. Uh, we have 2019 numbers. Uh, in Utah, more than 10,500 children were victims of child abuse in 2019. That number is staggering to me. Uh, what what <laughs> this is a, a loaded question? What is the, the biggest problem? What is the biggest uh, abuse that, that is happening?
1: Well, I think one of the things that we need to recognize is that having um, societal supports um, are important for, for family well-being and child safety. So if you have a situation where there's um, high unemployment or social stressors like loss of child care, um, uh, homelessness, food instability or food insecurity, all of those things contribute to neglect and child maltreatment. So the numbers that we have from 2019 don't take into account the COVID crisis. Right. Um, and we are really concerned about what the numbers are going to look like when they start doing that analysis.
0: Yeah, that that, that was actually, I mean, you, you already led us into it. But that, that's where I was going to go eventually w- with this is how, how much worse do you believe it's going to be? Utah, for the most part, was a lot. Less uh, shut down, if that, you know, if I can use that word, yeah. than a lot of the rest of the country. But still, we did have a period, especially last March and April, where a lot of things were shut down. People were out of work, people were uh, stressed out, people were hungry, people were scared. Those things all contribute, you say?
1: Yeah. And, and I think the thing is, is that when you look at our, how Utah compares to the rest of the country, we tend to be um, wealthier than the national average. We tend to have um, more stable family units. There's more social supports in general because of the, just the way that our communities are built. Um, But that doesn't mean that we're, we're free from risk. And we know that um, from previous economic crises, like the Great Recession of, you know, 2008, 2009. What happened was we didn't see the increase in child abuse until the, the full impact of that financial crisis was really hitting. People were losing their homes. People had been without jobs for long enough that they, they there really wasn't any prospect on the horizon. Um, and those things really drove the numbers up because building stress loss of the supports that we normally have, um, the inability to get the, the medical or mental health help that you need, all of those things um, feed on each other.
0: In my life, I've been affected by the uh, plague that is suicide. Um, I, I'm curious, Dr. Lasky, what the relationship is between a child who has been abused and suicide? Has have, have we been able to draw some kind of a relationship or conclusion there?
1: Well, sort of globally, we can understand that Any type of child maltreatment um, contributes to what we call adverse childhood experiences or ACEs. Mm -hmm. ACEs are things that impact children um, during their formative years, and that can include loss of a parent through divorce, death or incarceration, um, mental health problems in the household or drug or alcohol abuse in the household. And then certainly types of violence, either experiencing it by being a witness of your parents' Um, being in a domestic violence situation or being a victim yourself. All of those things contribute to your lifelong um, physical and mental health. So there is an association between being a victim or witnessing violence as a child and going on and being at higher risk for suicide as uh, an adolescent or an adult, which is why it's so critical that we understand that you know, a one-time um, abusive event, needs to have intervention in order to make sure that that child is okay going forward
0: i'm curious would you know an adverse childhood event would that include say you were in a violent car accident where people were severely injured or you maybe witnessed something i mean you could throw in video games or television or you know you you let a five-year-old watch a rated r movie or, or things like that but would those be included or not really
1: well, so there were several things in that list. You know, yeah. watching a, a, a rated R movie, of course, is is developmentally inappropriate for a child that age, and can and can expose them to information that they can't adequately process with the the mindset of a five-year-old. So as a pediatrician, strongly opposed to that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, whether that causes lifelong harm, that's harder to say. But being even in a a car crash where there's possibly fatalities, that is a traumatic experience and children have to be um, able to process trauma. And it's wrong to think that children don't understand trauma they just have a different way of thinking about it and processing it so if there's a particularly traumatic event like that and and there's levels of trauma of course if it's You know, the person in the other car that they didn't know died versus the people in their car that they did know died. Those children need access to trauma therapy. And there are trained trauma therapists in our communities throughout Utah um, that can work with children to make sure that they have a way of processing what has happened in a healthy way as opposed to developing unhealthy um, coping mechanisms.
0: Let's let's go back to the pandemic now. It's not a uh, adverse child you know event uh, but it's it's certainly something that's affected a lot of children. We take away, let's take away first of all the parents and the child abuse things and let's just talk about the mindset of children. My son, by the way, is a school psychologist and this topic fascinates me because he deals with these kids on a daily basis Uh, but the fact that they have to wear a mask, the fact that they you know, their parents were maybe out of work for a little while, uh, the fact that you know, maybe money was a little bit scarce uh, the fact that there's a disease that is, you know, whether you think it was a really bad disease or not, it did kill people uh worldwide uh, are those kinds of things having a, an emotional mental effect on kids more than more than your average uh, uh, you know events
1: well we're still pretty close to it and so we don't have the ability to look back and and understand what's what has happened to children, but what we can say is is that children are experiencing this um, with varying levels of ability to process and cope. Yeah. So um, everybody needs to have stress in their life in order to sort of develop a resiliency. But toxic stress is stress that is unrelenting it's there's no let up so you're constantly flooded with stress hormones related to being in that flight or flight flight or fight situation so the issue is is that some children experienced the pandemic as you know this is boring and I'm not able to see my friends um, but they're, they're going to do fine. Then there's going to be children who literally watched a parent in the hospital for weeks on a ventilator and, or couldn't watch them actually because they couldn't even be around them. So, you know, that child is going to have a very different experience of the pandemic. Um, You know, and I think it also has to do with how the people that are their support people, their adults in their life handled it. So if their adults did well and were resilient and demonstrated resiliency. The children probably did better than those who were experiencing extreme distress because of fear and loss of uh, job, loss of access to healthcare, inability to see the people in their life that provide them emotional support. Um, And also we know children weren't able to have uh, just regular healthcare. They weren't able to see Mm -hmm. their pediatricians during the pandemic and that's harmful.
0: We're talking with Dr. Antoinette Lasky. She works. Uh, she's an expert on uh, on uh, pediatrics and child abuse. Uh, Dr. Lasky, you work up at Primary Children's, right? Part of part of your job. Yep. yep. Um, by the way, I uh, first of all, I love Primary Children's Medical Center. Uh, I feel like, and this is just a layman's perspective, that that is the premier children's hospital in the country, uh, and you guys do an amazing job up there. Tell me a little bit about your uh, Pinwheels project eighteen hundred pinwheels.
1: So pinwheels uh, are used in April around the country to represent um, the to, ch- uh, to represent child abuse and help people understand the impact and the scope of the problem. Because, you know, what happens. Um, behind closed doors is hard for people to to sort of conceptualize. And people really have a hard time believing that, you know, come on, how bad is is it? You know, do people really hurt children? and And the reality is is last in in two thousand and nineteen, the statistics that we have the most recent uh, data for, show that 1800 children died in the united states at the hands of the caregiver 1800 and you know think about your child's school and how many people are in your child's classroom or in your child's entire school that's a lot of kids and you know the fact is is that children are dependent on their caregivers to provide for them in every way and that's tough and it can be frustrating but the reality is, is that if we don't care for our children, they can they can die and, and bad things can happen. And that's what the pinwheels are meant they're meant to be. They're meant to remind us that this is not an inconsequential problem that happens in other places. This happens here. It happens in our communities. It happens in our neighborhoods. It happens to people that go to our church and go to our kids school. We have to remember this is all of our problem.
0: A sobering reminder. All right. Thank you, Dr. Lasky. Uh, let's talk a little bit about, I thought this was fascinating. Most child abuse gets reported by a the person that is not a caregiver, maybe a teacher or or someone else that notices something. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that and, and how that comes about and how, how hard that might be?
1: Yeah, I mean, for those of us that are old enough to have remembered watching uh, Mr. Rogers, Mr. Rogers always reminded us to to find our helpers. And that's actually a message that we talk about with kids that we see in in our practice. We talk about um, if something were to happen to you or if something was happening to your body that was upsetting to you, who could you tell? So we actually go through that safety exercise with children to remind them, That there are helpers all around them and teachers are one of the most powerful helpers in our children's lives. They're in school often eight hours a day from the time that they're, you know, five or six all the way till they're 18. So who could a child turn to if something bad is happening to them in their home? And that's often the teacher. But the really important message here is is that sometimes teachers aren't prepared to be the helper in that tough situation. So they hear the story, and they don't know what to do. So I like to remind people, it's not your responsibility to solve the problem. It's your responsibility to help a child get the problem solved.
0: You think about a kid and how, uh, if, say, a, a parent is abusing that kid, the helplessness they must feel. They don't know who to go to or where to go or, or, or what. And I think probably, you know, a lot of our audience here on KDXU is older folks. Most of us are grandparents. I'm just barely a grandparent by a few months, but um, I I think maybe, you know, we'll throw parents in there, throw grandparents in there as well. It's got to be hard to report something if you're a grandparent and see uh, a weird bruise on on your child, on your grandchild or something strange going on. I'm guessing grandparents can help a lot as well.
1: Oh my gosh, grandparents and aunts and uncles, people that see children and have a questioning attitude when they have something when they see something and it's just a niggle in the back of their mind or a feeling that they have that they're seeing something that just doesn't quite make sense. What I tell people is, is that when you call for help by calling the department of child and family services, you're not, it's not tattling. It's not saying I know what happened or uh, this person is a bad parent. What you're saying is, is I have a concern about a child. Keep your focus on why you're doing it because the department of child and family services job is to figure out, is there a problem? If there's not, no harm. If there is a problem, you could be saving a life.
0: I, I like what you said where you, you said it's not necessarily, well, it's not our job to solve the problem, but it's our job to, if we see something, say something. If, if, if there's something not right, to point it out and let people who are trained, who are professionals at solving the problem, take care of it. And it, it I, I know it would probably be the hardest thing in the world to report maybe your son or daughter Uh, you know, you know, your grandchild has been abused by your son or daughter. probably got to be the hardest thing in in the world. But, uh, man, oh man, I, you know, like you said, keep the children in mind. They're, they're the ones, the helpless ones.
1: You know, honestly, the other reminder that I, I, I try to make sure people remember is that you're not saying it was even your son or daughter. What if it was the babysitter mm-hmm. and the mom or the dad is thinking, oh, it's just a little bruise. I don't know if I'm worried, but you look at it and go, I'm worried. You could literally be saving that child's life. And it wasn't the mom or dad. It's DCFS's to, job to figure out who did it and make sure that the person who did it can't harm that child or other children going forward.
0: Let me ask you one last question, uh, and I know you've got to go. You've got work to do, but but I, I am curious about this. Are there sometimes false reports by kids? Maybe a kid is is mad at the, a, a parent or a step-parent or a sibling or whatever. Does that happen, or is it so rare that it's really inconsequential?
1: That is a really, really rare circumstance. We know that children um, who are having horrible things happen to them don't tell nearly as often as those who do so we know that if if a child says something it's we need to listen to them we need to figure out what's going on and if if it's not happening we need to figure out what's wrong with the child that they said that there's it's important to understand that children don't make this up this is this can be really disruptive and really scary for a child and a family it's unusual that they would make something up like this.
0: Okay, cool, I appreciate you answering that. Uh, all right, like I said, I know you need to go. I've got some I got weather I got to play. but last kind of thought is if you have advice for any of us, it would be what uh, Dr. Lasky.
1: You know if you if you are worried, I really, really encourage people to take advantage of the resources that are available in our communities. So that would be at the state level, calling the statewide hotline one eight five five. 323 DCFS, um or the St. George and um, Washington County and Iron County um, and Beaver County all have a Children's Justice Center that is part of Primary Children's right there in your community with resources available.
0: That is so awesome. Thank you so much for spending about 20 minutes with us today. I, I respect what you do. I'm thankful there are people like you that care about our children. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Dr. Lasky from the uh, Intermountain uh, Primary Children's Medical Center. Always, uh, uh, like I said, for me, I'm I'm a big softie, and this really hurts my heart to have to talk about this, and I hope someday we live in a world where there is no child abuse. All right. We've got to get a weather break in, some commercials. When we come back, we're going to have open line, open lines right here on the Andy Griffin Show. We'll talk about what you want to talk about. I've got a couple of topics skewed up as well if you'd like to talk about some stuff or maybe we can continue our discussion on child abuse. Welcome back. Thanks again to Dr. Antoinette Lasky. She goes by Tony. Uh, it's kind of funny. I, when, I, when I talked to her before we went on the air, I'm like, do you want... I'm going to call you Tony or Antoinette or Doc or whatever. And she's like, you know what? Call me any of those. (laughs) She said, my professional name is Dr. Antoinette Lasky. You can go wherever you want from there. I don't really care. So uh, great having her on the program. Again, a couple of things uh, to wrap that up. There are websites that you can go to. There are resources. So you don't have to call the police right away. There are resources for you to check out if, if you suspect anything, if you're wondering about things. Uh, Let's protect the innocent children. Uh, There's, uh, let's see, howtopreventabuse.org is a website you can go to. PCA, that's prevent child abuse, PCAUtah.org. You can also go to primarychildrens.org and then type in safe and healthy families when you get there. And uh, that's another great resource for you. Uh, You can call the local authorities. You can call 911 if you feel like it's really urgent. Uh, and then there's a National Child Abuse Prevention Hotline. It's 855-323-DCFS, 323-3237. That's the National Child Abuse and Neglect Hotline. Doesn't have to be just abuse. Say the kids aren't getting taken care of. Those are some good resources for you. Uh, I, this is one of those charities that I, I really, and not charity, this is one of those topics that I can really get behind, and it breaks my heart when... I hear of a child being abused. Um, So uh, get involved. If you know about it, if you know about anything kind of weird happening, uh, get involved with that. Uh, Again, on the program this week, uh, yesterday we had uh, Jimmy Keston. Also, uh, Alan Stevo was on. Coming up uh, tomorrow, Dr. David Blodgett from the health department will join us on the air. Uh, and then on Thursday, we'll hear from Chris Stewart, U.S. Congressman, for a few minutes, uh, just about 10 minutes at the start of the show. He has agreed to take phone calls. Those of you who have well, I can't, I call the congressman. Well, you can. Uh, and then uh, Mayor John Brammel from Hurricane will join me for a good portion of the program on Mayor Thursday. Friday is open line Friday. A lot of good stuff planned for you on the show. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Andy Griffin. This is the Andy Griffin Show. I'm here every day, a little bit, little bit after 9, up until the 10 o'clock hour A lot of you have been wondering, what's going on? They have Dan Bongino out there. They have, you know, uh, what's going on with the Rush Limbaugh show? And uh, I can tell you this, we don't know anything yet. (laughs) What I mean by that is uh, we at Cherry Creek Radio have elected to stay with EIB, the premier networks. That's what Rush Limbaugh and Sean Hannity shows come in on uh, for the time being. Uh, we don't know if they're going to name a permanent host. Right now, uh, Rush Limbaugh show is uh, what they call guides, and they they do a little bit of talking, and they play a little bit of Rush, and they do a little more talking, and play a little bit more Rush. And right now, we're sticking with that. I don't. They have not given us a glimpse as to what's going to happen with that show in the future. And so, if you, you know, if you have a strong opinion, if you want to email me a griffin at cherrycreekmedia.com, dot com, if you, uh, you know. Uh, are, are are really passionate about a replacement. I know Dan Bongino, The Dan Bongino folks, this is a cumulus media, not EIB, different company. And they put out a press release about two weeks ago, maybe three that said uh, Dan Bongino to replace Rush Limbaugh. Well, that was very, very misleading because uh, what all Dan Bongino did was shift his time slot a little to his current stations. Uh, he, was never hired by Premier Radio Networks. He was never hired by any radio station that I'm aware of. Nobody else added him. That was their way of trying to grab Rush Limbaugh's spot. Uh, now, that's not to say I have anything, any problem with Dan Bongino. In fact, I, I've i watched, I don't think I've ever listened to Dan Bongino over the radio, but I've watched his YouTube clips uh, or his Facebook clips, and he says a lot of good things, and, and uh, he's very passionate, and I, I like Dan Bongino. But I don't know that he's the answer for this this slot. One one of the problems that I've heard in talking with people in the industry is, well, Dan Bongino is good. He's passionate. He has great ideas, but he lacks the humor and the the fun that Rush Limbaugh would would you know display along with all the other stuff. So uh, right now, uh, again, we're going to hold the line with the Premier Networks and uh, and how they are electing to handle. Uh, the death of Rush Limbaugh, and we're just gonna we're gonna we're gonna hang in there and see what happens. I know a lot of you, it's very important to you what is on your radio, especially uh, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. And uh, we're gonna try to do the best we can. I suspect that Premier and EIB, I think they're gonna come out with some sort of announcement in the next couple of weeks uh, on what exactly is gonna happen with their show. Uh, I don't believe, and this is me personally, you might disagree, I don't believe they can keep doing what they're doing with guest guide hosts or whatever they're calling them and, and playing Rush my Clips. Uh, I don't think that's going to last. That's, that's just my opinion on, on that. So this is the Andy Griffin Show. Nothing's changing here. I'm not planning on dying anytime soon, although you never know, right, when your number comes up. Uh, but uh, I'll be here uh, until they throw me off the air, however long that may take uh, to, uh, uh, I don't know, I don't know about informing and entertaining, but certainly I think interesting content. I loved the interview with Dr. Lasky uh, in the first half hour. I thought she was fascinating and uh, a great topic. And the big message for her was uh, don't be timid. You're not selling anybody out. You're not tattling. If you see something that's not quite right with a child, say something, do something. Um, Talk to the child. Talk to an authority. Talk to a professional who deals with that sort of thing. They're going to know what to do. All right. uh, Let's see. Let's talk a little bit longer, and then we'll get that last commercial break in. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about a company called Basecamp, B-A-S-E-C-A-M-P. This is not a commercial for them. In fact, I have no vested interest. I don't, even, I don't even know hardly what they do, except Basecamp is, I guess, they help set up uh, companies that, uh, that, that are working virtually so they can share their projects together and stuff like that. That doesn't matter to me. What matters is uh, they're, they're, they've come out with a couple of interesting new um, uh, edicts for their employees. Uh, I guess they had a staff meeting. And in the staff meeting, somebody brought up Donald Trump and somebody else brought up Joe Biden, and somebody else brought up uh, Facebook censorship, and it turned into well, a meeting was supposed to be about, you know some project they were working on, and it, it, nothing got done. All everyone did in the, uh, in the project was argue about politics. So Basecamp, there are two big bosses, Jason Fried and Dave Hansen are their names. They decided, you know what, something's got to happen here. We are a private company. We employ these people. We pay these people pretty well. And we can't have a meeting in which they all get together and argue about politics. It can't happen anymore. And so, um, so they put out a couple of, they, they actually put out some new I don't know, bylaws or whatever, employee handbook items. And uh, I thought they were pretty good. One of them, uh, number one, actually, on their list was no more societal and political discussions on our company base camp account. Today's social and political waters are especially choppy. Sensitivities are at 11 out of 10. Yeah. Uh, And every discussion remotely related to politics, advocacy, or society at large quickly spins away from pleasant. You shouldn't have to wonder if staying out of it means you're complicit or wading into it means you're a target. These are difficult enough waters to navigate in life, but significantly more so at work. It's become too much. It's a major distraction. It saps our energy and redirects our dialogue toward dark places. It's not healthy. It hasn't served us well. And we are done with it on our company Basecamp account where work happens. People can take the conversations with willing coworkers to signal WhatsApp or even a personal Basecamp account. But it can't happen where the work happens anymore. Uh, And uh, so basically, he said, no more politics at work. You're done. We're not doing it anymore. Uh, to add to this, I thought this was pretty good. Uh, They said no more. They're calling it paternalistic benefits. Now, let me explain. He says, for years, this is uh, Freed, the guy that wrote this. He said, for years, we've offered a fitness benefit, a wellness allowance, a farmer's market share, and continuing education allowances. They're funny. You know, if you want to make yourself better, they're going to pay for it. They felt good at the time, Freed says, but we've had a change of heart. It is none of our business what you do outside of work, and it's not Basecamp's place to encourage certain behaviors, regardless of good intention. By providing funds for certain things, we're getting too deep into nudging people's personal and individual choices, so we've ended these benefits and, as compensation, paid every employee the full cash value of the benefits for this year. In addition, we recently introduced a 10% profit-sharing plan to provide direct compensation that people can spend on whatever they'd like, privately without company involvement or judgment i love it these guys are basically saying look we've tried so hard for so long to get you to oh i think you know my wife works for the for the state government they've got their whole their whole fitness fit for life lot no i forget what it's called but they'll pay you if you'll lose weight they'll pay you if you stop smoking etc cetera, etc cetera. it's it's, it's a way that the companies are trying to influence your life so that you will be a better, more rested, more healthy employee. And these guys, Fried and Hansen with Basecamp, had basically taken a stand and said, you know what, this is dumb. We're not going to pay you to be a better person. What you do in your personal life, if you want to smoke cigarettes and sleep in a, a, a trailer with the broken windows and, you know, a... a, a propane heater, whatever. It's your life. Do what you want with your life. As long as you come to work, when we say to come to work, at eight or nine or whatever it is, and you work hard here, we don't care if you're in shape. We don't care if you subsist on Twinkies and pretzels or, or, you know, whether you're a vegan or or what. We don't care. That's not our business. That's not our job. I love it. I, I, you know, you get told what to do so often in life by government by family, by friends, by work. And I think this is an incredible decision by the company Base Camp to get us to stop, stop, uh, you know, doing things to make them happy. I mean, those things were, you know, I played sports, and I know what a voluntary workout means. Hey, we're having a voluntary weightlifting session at 6 a.m. tomorrow. That ain't voluntary. I can tell you that right now. If you want to play, you're at that weightlifting. If you want to play, you're at that extra practice. If you want to play, you you come early and you stay late. And, and, and it's the same thing with these companies. If you want to get raises, if you want to get promotions, if you want to be the boss's pet, you do all that extra stuff that they were paying for. Basecamp said no more. I like it. Uh... I think I think that, you know, having work get out of our personal lives is overdue. I really do. I really believe that. And uh, hopefully work will continue to stay out of our social lives. We'll see. We'll take some phone calls on this and more of what you want to talk about uh, when we come back. A chance now to thank Joe Schoening. Joe Schoening is a loan consultant working for New American Funding. And Joe's specialty is customer service. He's uh, really good at making you happy, making sure you understand what the loan process is like, whether it's your first loan or your 50th loan. Joe will make sure you understand all the numbers involved. He, makes, he simplifies them, explains them to you, and makes it so that your experience is a five-star experience. In fact, if you look online, he has uh, 420, oh, 526 reviews. He averages 4.96 out of five stars. Phenomenal. Uh, two uh, of the latest reviews, five stars from Carl in St. George, says smooth process, always informed, A+. Catherine of Cedar City said, job is great, the best lender that I have. Five stars from Joe Shoney. Give him a call today. 435 Welcome back. Thanks for tuning in to 890 or 94.9 or online or on the app. Let me just throw a quick plug in for our app. Now, uh, all of us have, well, not all. Most of us have the smartphones. If you go to the app... And, uh, download, uh, just, just search KDXU or 890 KDXU, download the app. It's really cool. You can listen on the app. It has all our stories up there. It has a link to the podcast so you can listen to old shows. Uh, it even has, if you on the left, upper left of the app, there's like a little menu thing, you know, those three little lines, little menu thing. And it says contact studio. And if you push that button and then put your comment or whatever, uh, into that little uh, form that you fill out it actually comes right to me right here in the studio i can read your email and uh, and boom we're we're all hooked up and and good to go i love it it's technology it's awesome um again you can listen just by streaming online listen live at 890kdxu.com you can download the app you can listen at 94.9 fm you can listen at 890 am And uh, I I appreciate you listening. Let's go to the phone lines. You know, uh, by the way, 673-5890 if you want to call into the show. Uh, I have a soft heart. I think this guy does too. Seth is on the line. What's up, Seth?
2: (laughs) Uh, Yes, you were mentioning about if you see abuse of a child, say something. Well, I've seen lots of abuse. I I see coyotes throwing uh, little uh, 3- and 5-year-old children, uh, stunned, dropping them 14 feet. And if they can take infrared pictures of them, uh, why is it they can't stop them or prevent them from abusing children?
0: Yeah, it seems like to me uh, a sniper with rubber bullets, and we don't want to kill him, a, a sniper with rubber bill, bullets, picking those guys off the wall might help, but that, that's kind of cruel of me to say, I suppose. But.
2: Yes, and about, about the Limbaugh show, um, uh, there's a three hour block. Now, if I understand contracts correctly, uh, the previous contract with Premier is null and void because the uh, um, star of the show is no longer on the planet.
0: I think you're right, but I'm not 100 percent positive about that. But it seems like to me that we would be able to get out of it if we made a decision to do
2: that. And I think you're OK. Right. And so in the meantime, we're going to put Ali on and have the Alley show.
0: <laughs> huh? I, I don't. And, I don't think she would want to do three hours.
2: <laughs> well, well, you know, okay, maybe an hour, and then other venues, uh, live talk radio, and as we've discussed before, Hannity and these shows, uh, I hardly ever hear anybody from St. George or Washington County on that show. True. Very, I mean, it's true. nearly impossible. I've done it, and I waited and waited, and then finally they said, you know, he's not on a particularly in that frequency. Why don't you call back on Friday? Yeah. and then you Okay, get the rain, so, the uh, you know, I have heard people in 25 or 30 years get through and say they're from St. George, but I, I think KDXU would be um, you have an advantage if we had more local talk and different kinds of shows because I think Allie has got some things up her sleeve there that uh, she hasn't told you about yet.
0: Yeah. Allie, I'm going to turn your microphone on for a second, Allie. Uh, Seth thinks you need your own show, Allie. What do you think?
1: Um, My own show?
0: Your own show. hour long, two hours, whatever, Uh. taking calls and...
1: Yeah, um, <laughs> sure. <laughs> There's
2: another famous talk show lady in town that you know is, is franchised across the country. So I think these these ladies have a different perspective, and I think maybe uh, this might be the second one. But we need to sort of give her a chance, huh?
0: <laughs> I, I I wonder what the reaction would be if we put Allie on when Rush was supposed to be on. Hmm. Uh,
2: mm-hmm. Well, there's no Rush there. I've heard everything <laughs> Rush has ever said, you know. And yeah. after 25 or 30 years and repeat and repeat, let's have some new material and some new ideas and some new talent.
1: All right. Thanks, right, well, for... It. Thanks for believing in me, Seth.
2: Well, well it, it, it's my honor.
1: <laughs>
2: I, I know where the power is. Yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> I, I, thanks, I look over my wife and I said, "That's the queen and <laughs> the king." <laughs> oh, that's right. Mm-hmm.
0: That's right. We are paupers. Yeah. Thank you, Seth. Appreciate the call. You thanks, bet. Seth. Uh, Allie, should we put the wheels in motion and get you a show? Uh, uh,
1: well, we should. Uh, we should look into that. Yeah.
0: Uh, you would have to. Uh, I mean, I'm going to be honest, you'd have to quit the news director job. You you would not be able to do the news and do a show, especially if it was any longer than an hour. Our our shows, to host our show, there's a lot of work involved. Right. And if you had two and three hours like Rush and Hannity and those guys, holy cow, that's a full-time job plus.
1: Yeah. But the point is, is that I don't have to get up at four in the morning if I'm on after you. (laughs) <laughs> right? And and that's a good thing.
0: <laughs> maybe we'll give you 9 o'clock and I'll take 10.
1: Oh. Well, <laughs> well either way, then, it's yeah. earlier than... <laughs> it's not as early. If no, you, I love my job.
0: If you guys want to talk with yeah. Allie and then me, give us a call. six seven three five eight nine zero. We have about four minutes left in the program. And uh, certainly we would love to... I'd love to hear your voice and to hear your thoughts on things. Uh, I really thought some of you would have some reaction on this whole base camp thing and them kind of pulling themselves out of people's business. Uh, you know, and, and the thing, the reason I, I applaud and the reason I'm so excited about it is because um, work has encroached on people's lives so much. And, and I'm not talking about, you know, hey, I'm worried about that meeting tomorrow. I'm not talking about that kind of, so that happens with every job. I'm talking about, Hey, we'll give you X amount of dollars if you join this gym. We'll give you X amount of dollars if you take this class. We'll give you, you know, uh, you know if you'll go support the farmer's market. I mean, these, these guys had a whole list of things that they had been funding to try and, uh, and, try and make their employees better people. And I'm kind of like, if I'm not a good enough person like I am, why did you hire me? And, and, you know, for me, it's kind of like, it's like someone that gets married. Well, I'll change him or her after we get married. I'll show them that this is the way it should be after we get married. I had, uh, my father-in-law and my, my my mother-in-law and father-in-law. It was that way. They got married and I'll change him. I'll, I'll, he'll be different. It didn't happen. And, and I think that, Again, if you get hired by a company, they hire you for who you are. They don't hire you, I don't believe, for who they think they might be able to make you into. So, so for me, it's like I, I applaud Basecamp. I applaud the idea that, you know, my work doesn't own me. My work might own me part of the day and I have to make a living and I have to go to my job and things like that, but it doesn't have to uh, own me at all. All right, let's go back to the phone lines. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, folks. Uh, Yesterday we played a little sound clip uh, uh, when Jimmy Kesson was on the show yesterday uh, about Mitt Romney. He got introduced at the Republican National Convention. (laughs) It was not uh, a shining moment for Mitt, was it?
2: You know, I, I, I can't bring it up enough. Let's get this jerk out of uh, Utah. He's not supporting us. Uh, I, I don't know. It just it's it sick in my craw that he keeps getting up there and uh, saying and doing the things that he does. And half the time he goes to his other home, not here in Utah, and that's where he spends his weekends.
0: Yeah, he, let's he's, get rid of him. He's not a Utah. Okay? That's for darn sure. No, yeah.
2: no, no, no. Thank you for letting me at least say what I feel about him because
0: he's a jerk. All right, thanks for the call. I appreciate thanks. it. Yeah, Mitt, Mitt Romney. You know, I I have a relative of mine. It's my brother him who loves Mitt Romney. He thinks, oh, he's just acting on his conscience. Well, maybe maybe so. You know, but his conscience to me is is tainted by the fact that he hates Donald Trump and he'll do anything in his power. To discredit Donald Trump. He, vote, he was the only Republican in the entire, entire Congress that voted for impeachment of Donald Trump. He's the only one. Now, explain to me why. Is, it, is he disloyal to his party? Is he, did his conscience say, well, Donald's evil, I need to vote against him? Or is it just vindictiveness? Is it being a sore loser? And haven't we preached against being a sore loser our whole lives?